Thank you for joining us wherever you are. This podcast episode is brought to you by the Old Ways Actual Play Team. This actual play uses the 7th edition Call of Cthulhu tabletop role-playing game rules by Chaosium. This actual play is performed by adults and in an adult setting. While we try very hard to stick to languages for all ages, listeners should know that this podcast may include mature themes. All content, including names, places, events, companies, and etc. that may bear resemblance to entities living or dead is strictly coincidental. My name is Michael Dent, and for tonight's game, I will be your keeper. Thank you for joining us again in another episode of the Old Ways Podcast. I'm your keeper, Keeper Michael, and we return to Masks of Neonathotep as we move on a train towards um, perhaps a destination a little bit warmer. Uh, so I want to start the show by thanking all of our Patreon supporters for their continued support through our uh, many games. We are having, having you along for the ride has been wonderful fun. And uh, I'm just, I think you're all the best. Uh, especially you. Yes, you. You're the best. Oh, I won't clarify that either, so you can all be the best. Uh, before we get the session started, I want to do introductions. So to my right. This is Tiffany, and I play Maeve O'Shea, and um, we're still on a train. You know, amazingly so, yes. I'm, it's uh, It's been one train, long-ish train ride after another, it seems. Uh, to her right. This is Morgan. I play Lillian Lane, and I have no idea what's been going on. No, but you had something going on yourself, it seems. We'll maybe get to that. At the end of the table. This is Jake. I'll be playing Jack Doyle, and um, I had quite a dream or something. Yeah, I think both could be true. It could be a dream or it could have been something, right? Uh, And at the end of the table. This is Alex. I'll be playing Sam Bion. Uh, probably is going to have to solve a contraband transportation problem before uh, we get to our final destination. Oh, yeah. No, that's more than likely true. So we raise the curtain tonight on the Orient Express. Uh, It is just a little bit before five, and uh, the porters have begun coming around to um, kind of rouse some of the... uh, napping and, and dozing members uh, that are continuing their work and, and their um, their time on the train um, that they'll be coming into Venice relatively shortly. Uh, so you're all a little bit sleepy. Perhaps it's the emotional or physical exertion, Jack. Perhaps it's the continued recovery from the gunshot wound in Paris. Um but you all begin to kind of come out of it uh, as these little bells and chimes and uh, certain um, casual door knocks begin to happen on stateroom doors to advise that uh, you'll be pulling into Venice soon. Miss Lane, you wake with the undeniable feeling like you've been somewhere and you feel you were gone. You get these images that flash in your head these ballet dancers on a dark stage clothed in ribbon. There's a very strange fiddle music that continues to play in your ears. It's a little hard to shake. I sit up and rub my face a few times, just trying to shake myself awake. 
can't shake the feeling that something happened, but I'm just not sure what. Sure. Are you going to prepare to be uh, disembarking then? Yes. As far as I know, we were getting off in Venice. You would probably not be terribly sure of it. Yeah, I, I guess I'm questioning exactly where we are. I, right. mean, I mean, I hear the knocking of the porters. Mm-hmm. We were, I wasn't sharing a room with anybody, right? I don't, I don't think, think so, we were. No. I think we all had our own. Yeah, you all have your own separate mm. rooms. Okay, I am going to... I'm all dressed and everything, I'm guessing. I'm, I hope. Am I in nightgown still? or? It looks like you're still in the regular clothes. Regular day clothes? Yeah, day clothes. You probably just... You must have just fallen asleep. I come out of my car, my cabin. Oh, the compartment. Compartment. And I... Assuming Jack's probably next door. Yeah, you're all roughly right in, the in, same, the same area. in the same car. Yeah. I go in, I bang on his door. Okay. Not very ladylike, but... Jack, it's pretty clear the cops are at your compartment door. <sighs> Again. <laughs> Open the door. Yeah, you're still trying to wake up, but there's, um... There's Lillian. Lillian. Jack, where are we? We're on a train. No. No. <laughs> I know we're on a train. Where are we? Like, where are we in the world? Um, I believe we're <laughs> pulling into Venice. It, you're actually a little foggy on that, come to think of it. You don't remember, you don't even remember falling asleep. But you must have. What day is it? What time is it? Morning, I guess. You look out the window. It's clearly afternoon into evening. I, I'm going to go find a porter. You want to wake wake the others up? Yeah, yeah, I'll get them up. Okay. You walk down the hall. It doesn't take you terribly long before you run into a member of staff. Sir? Uh, We, madame? Where are we? Oh, we are um, just uh, minutes. He looks at his pocket watch. We are just uh, uh, maybe 10 or so minutes from our stop in Venice. In Venice? We. What what time is it? Uh, It is uh, just a few minutes before uh, 5 o'clock. In the evening. Oui. Gosh, how long have I been asleep for? Uh, I am not certain, but um, do you require anything? I require to hurry up and get moving. I uh, thank you for the information. Of course. I turn around and kind of rush back. You rush back, but by this time, Jack's probably left his compartment, and uh, I guess, suppose, who are you waking first? Whoever nearest me, so I guess. Probably the doctor. Yeah, get um, him up. So Dr. Tottenbach tells you that he's just about dressed he's going to get ready for whatever comes next he says he says are, are we stopping here well i think we had talked about uh taking a, a ship from venice to uh egypt yeah, he seems to um fire off a very few um rapid affirmative german words and says uh that he'll be uh, packed and ready good good go get mave your stateroom's a couple doors down yeah, I was probably already getting my stuff together. Okay. If you knock on my door, I'll answer. Maeve, uh, I believe we're pulling into Venice, and I think we're going to disembark here. Okay. I th- I thought we talked about that. Yeah. No, it's Sam. Knock on Sam's door? Yeah. Yeah, I'll slide out of bed and kind of blurry-eyed open the door. <laughs> yeah, you too, Sam, do not remember falling asleep. No, I don't. It's really bothering me. And did we all sleep? That's what I say when he opens the door. Did we? Uh, were we all sleeping? Wow. I kind of rub my head and I guess I, I have no idea what's happening. Where the hell are we? Uh, Venice, I think. 
and if we're in Venice, I want to, uh, we want to disembark here so we can catch a ship. Judge by the time, that'll be tomorrow, but... Customs? Oh, uh, yeah. You won't face customs getting off the train because you already faced customs getting into Italy. Sure. You're still in Italy. Mm-hmm. Where you'll eventually face customs is probably Port Said at some point. You'll, okay. you'll have to deal with... I doubt it's very much in the way of customs. Okay. But it will be a concern if we're... Anyway, we're, we're getting off here, is what you're saying. Yep. Be ready. Give me a few minutes. Yeah, yeah, I think we have a few minutes. So the train slows carefully and uh, really, in a very pleasant way, kind of glides into Venice, which is a astonishingly beautiful city. The waters here are... come They come right up to the bottom of the buildings. It's something you'd only heard about or even read about. Um, you, you've never seen it uh, up close like this. The architecture here is really fascinating. Um, but you begin your disembarking process. So disembarking from the train and getting your bags out of the furloin is done fairly efficiently. The staff of the Orient Express is more than happy to see to the careful uh, preparation and retrieval of your bags Everything done is done not necessarily in the speediest of order, but it is done within uh, a few minutes. And so they are, there's nothing they're taking on, but the expectation is, is that there'll be a fair amount of travelers here and back. So the train's here for probably 20 or 25 minutes. It takes probably a good half of that to get your all of your bags. And the trunk. And the trunk. Well, yeah, I mean, you're not going to leave it. No. I'm right. not leaving it. So you get your collected things and you are in the train station in Venice. Well, I best guess we uh, better find a lodgings. Indeed. Do you know what port we're taking out of here? And what ships may be heading our way? Not yet. So you're going to search the city or the city area for a location then? To yeah. uh, rest thy head, as it were? You've never been here, have you, Miss Lane? to Italy? No. Well, maybe we get somebody from the train might be able to point us in the room. So, Venice is a city built on islands in a salt lagoon. The Grand Canal winds through the islands of the Rialto, the ancient city that is once a living museum and an open-air art gallery. So, for hotels, the Lux Hotel, uh, the Gritty, Pala- uh, Gritty Palace, uh, the most luxurious, the Daniel, a favorite haunt of uh, literatures and statesmen, and the Cipriani, famed for food and peace. Also available are bed and breakfast flats. It is best to eat at your hotel as the service can be kindly described as leisurely, even at the best restaurants. So we probably want to stay somewhere that's a little low-key. Right. Maybe a bed and breakfast. Yes, that's kind of what I was, I was thinking. Easily findable. The offices of the Orient Express can easily direct you into the direction of a couple bed and breakfasts if that's what you're looking for. Yeah. In fact, the service folks even go as far as to ask what your next, like, are you planning on continuing on? Are you heading back to London or? No, we'll be uh, taking a ship from here across the Mediterranean. Well, Venice has got many trade ships. Uh, you'll need to check the uh, local ports here for what available uh, passages they may have. Yes, I, I assume. Uh, so getting a bed and breakfast in Venice is pretty easy. It's as easy as 
basically either walking to them or if you need to uh, making a, a, a call via the Orient Express office to the, some of the homes. Not all the bed and breakfasts here have phones. Many of them are just casual, calm, almost country-esque living arrangements. Uh, so since there are five of you, uh, I suppose what um, a bed and breakfast is really only going to probably have a couple of rooms. That's fine. I'm assuming it's only one night. I won't need a room, uh, but I will need a place to hold my things. Okay. We're only we're only here for we're only here for a night. I mean, I'm saying this. We're only here for a night, so I'm going to see about perhaps finding if uh, there's a boat captain that is heading that way anytime soon. Okay. If you want to handle uh, arranging the transport, then. Well, I more so whether we want to go through a private or a uh, public channel. So I mean something that won't be cons- something inconspicuous. Well, if we come off of a uh, some sort of passenger vessel, uh, I imagine that customs is going to be pretty robust. Whereas, you know, some sort of merchant vessel shipping cargo can be handled a bit differently. Might have different relationships. There are things that we're carrying that I'm assuming we don't want to have passed through customs or confiscated. Right. Hey, Mike, how long is it going to take us to ship from? Venice to that's an Port Said. That's an excellent question. I would imagine probably, depending upon the sea travel, it could be between three to seven days. Got to figure the Mediterranean is a little different than uh, an open sea. Plus, you're not going to have the power of something like a big passenger vessel that's going to be able uh, to uh, to navigate those waters like you did from New York to uh, London. It could probably, maybe th- seven days would be a maximum like with bad weather and and troubles but you know two to three days at the very least i would imagine if we can find a private carrier where not be questioned by certain authorities that would probably be beneficial i mean worst case scenario is i can't find anyone right right any requests while i'm out as long as i'm not sleeping with goats no that's fine too (laughs) i'll drop one of my duffels next to wherever jack looks to be shacking up do you mind no that's fine i'll take it the other one goes with me. So the four of you head off to one of the bed and breakfasts. You get a very nice Italian family who's willing to put the four of you up. You are put up in uh, an upper part of their house. Uh, the lower part is where they live and where they eat. They are happy to feed you dinner uh, on uh, a really nice patio out in, uh, in, the, in the street. And you can get a, you can get the feeling of... Being in Venice, uh, you get a little bit of the water as well. Um, and in general, unless you're, um, you know, causing a stir, the the family is nice enough to either leave you alone or to uh, entertain you with all sorts of strange and fun tales from uh, what it's like living in Venice. Anyway, it sounds like next time. Yeah, if you're amiable to it. Um, they are more than generous with wine. Yes. And uh, <laughs> they uh, they definitely do their best to show their guests a good time. I do have one question, though. That night, uh, as uh, we, will, we will get to, to Sam's foray into the, the port in a minute, that night are um, the three of you who are at and available at the bed and breakfast. Are you going over anything as far as 
uh, preparatory notes for arriving in Egypt, or are you um, going your separate ways? No, we should probably try to start uh, planning what we're going to do once we get to Egypt. It's getting close now. Yeah, I want to look at the itinerary, the, the Carlisle itinerary. Okay. Um, so that we can start planning, like, areas we want to investigate first. As you kind of look it over, Miss O'Shea, this is a letter from Warren Besser to Roger Carlyle. Looks like his lawyer informed him they're seeking certain knowledge of this land and its distant past. And I believe I can aid you in this regard. Inquiries in the old quarter have identified one Farid Najir in the Street of Jackals who claims to be in possession of singular curiosities which he believes would be of great interest to you. He is prepared to part with these items if a suitable price can be agreed upon, and I shall endeavor to make sure that matters are arranged to your satisfaction. Yours, M. Warren Bessert. This was a clue that Jackson Elias recovered. Okay, so we gotta get a hold of that guy. I remember the uh, streets of... Um, Street of Jackals. Yeah. yeah. So it looks like Bessert's on your list. So is Dr. H. Clive. Dr. Clive's on our list too. Dr. Clive, yes, mm-hmm. because you found a specific note from him to Edward Gavigan mm-hmm. that they were doing some some digging there on the Giza Plateau. Just because Gavigan's <clears throat> dead and his cult members that were there, that doesn't mean his whole thing is, you know. Well, we know at least one of the uh, leaders escaped. Oh, the woman? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. This one article also uh, says that Carlisle in July had suffered sunstroke, so he was unavailable for comment. Right. You mull those clues over and enjoy the wine. So, Sam, for your part, Venice is... Well, quite frankly, it's a bit of a minefield. You're not fluent in any ways in Italian. Nope. And so most of the side conversation that happens here in this portion of town of the port is done mostly in Italian. You do hear quite a bit of French, um, and there is some English that's spoken here, but the primary language here is Italian for sure. It's probably a 90-10 split between that and other. Okay. Um, so what I'm hoping to do is uh, instead of having to, um, since I can't do a lot of like, you know, talking investigation, I can't really do a bunch of asking around. Um, I think I'm going to kind of use myself as bait um, and create a, and, and create a mark persona. There's a, I'm sure there's plenty of places to shop, right? This is like a visitor center. This is where people are getting off like tourists and whatnot. Yeah, there's less um, tourism here and more probably commercial shipping. Okay. But that's not to say that there isn't there aren't shops that are um you know that don't that don't cater to idiots getting off boats. Yeah, I just need to um I would need to find like some place to get I'm going for like posh manservant. Um I just need clothing. It's not hard at all. I mean Venice as an art city is going to have a ton of clothiers. So I get myself a nice over overdressed, somewhat gaudy, expensive-looking outfit, mm-hmm. 
and um, finding, I guess, the the ports, like the merchant ports or the, like the non, I don't know how big a travel center this is. I mean, I'm just kind of speculating. Like the, the port of exit, how far is it from like the train yard or the train depot? Um, it's actually a bit of a ways. Sure. Okay. Uh, mostly because the train is going to have, the station itself is going to have to be on much firmer ground. Sure, like miles? Mm-hmm. Okay. Then, yeah, I get myself a nice set of clothes, and I will make my way toward the docks. Uh, so they have some pretty fantastic-looking buildings here at the port. You actually see your first um, proper minaret tower. Oh, that's awfully pretty. Yeah. It's kind of sort of Italian, and it's also kind of sort of Arabic. It's a little bit odd, but she's quite beautiful. And the uh, alabaster white stone that the building is made out of uh, shines even in the evening twilight. Uh, Mediterranean waters. How portable is a camera in 1925? Oh, portable enough, depending upon the type that you buy. I mean, Jack has a camera. I I should get a camera. German models, especially. My mental shopping list. So... Just shopping the port and um, looking, looking like a, an eager and, and fat target, you do eventually draw probably a couple of random, we'll say, teenage pickpockets. Sure, um, I will. You know, I guess I'll play with them a bit, but like I don't have a lot to steal anyway. I'm, I'm wearing empty clothes. Sure, if they were to try to pick my pockets, they might find a gun. Like, or a knife or something. <laughs> um, there's not a whole lot else going on in there. There's only trouble there, boy. <laughs> I didn't say it. I didn't say it. I'm just saying. <laughs> but uh, I will do my best to try to figure out um, where the, I guess, the sailors are because they have to. They have to live and hang out somewhere. Oh yeah. Yep. You do. Uh, after probably a, a twenty or so minute walk down some of the lanes here. You also notice that Venice is definitely, it's bisected all over the place by water lanes. And so there is an, there's almost a different feel to the city as you see the, the boats ferry many, these little, you know, canal boats and stuff like that that ferry people across. And that's when your brain kind of clicks into this second layer of this puzzle of Venice. There's an entire network of things going on that's purely by water. Yeah, that's amazing. Conversations, trades that happen purely by boat. You start seeing it in all these little facets, right? You start seeing certain color boats that are swapping bags between different uh, canal boat vendors. You start seeing those vendors, tiny little shops that are built on the, you know, the hulls of these long boats um, and you realize that there's there's an entire open secret network here that's operating in Venice uh, likely under any visitor's nose because they don't know what to look for it's like a market of sorts oh yeah yeah that's fun okay good I'm in the I'm in the right place I uh, I keep heading toward the med Okay. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't take you too long. Uh, eventually, the streets narrow, and you eventually get towards some of the slips 
uh, and then you start seeing um, bars and you see def definitive people who live and work on the Mediterranean. Okay. Um, I will, uh, what time of day is it? It's yet it's, it's evening. Yeah, it's probably now probably closer to seven. Okay. I will probably walk the ship line for a while um, and watch the bars from a bit of a distance and try to get a feel for what I think happens in each one, kind of what's mm -hmm. their flavor. Like if there's just fighting going on over there, I don't need to bother right now. If, you know, if these, if these chaps are a bit more low key, I look for, I look for where the transactions are happening. Like there's all this traffic coming in from the med and all these ships have to be depositing things using the canals. Right. So every, any one of these places could be an entry point <laughs> to that particular network. So I look for those while I just kind of walk the ship line and see what these people are doing. Yeah. You get kind of caught up in one of these cafes. Um, so it, it seems to bill itself as this kind of corner cafe here on uh, one of these uh, edges of the, uh, the streets that eventually you can basically dump into the Mediterranean as many of Venice's streets do. And it looks like it gets a fair amount of local attention. The place is mostly sleepy. Like uh, it, it almost is like the wait staff here just doesn't care. They just kind of get to things when they get to things. And that also seems to be the way the p patrons are as well. They just kind of sort of get to things when they get to things. Um, why don't you give me a spot hidden mole? Sure. Failure, this is 63 under 58. Okay. Any care for um, luck or pushing? Mm, given given that it's relatively easy to uh, kind of kind of fall in, in love with the rhythm of the place, I think mm -hmm. when it comes to this cafe, I'm going to focus on the waitstaff um, and see who they gravitate toward who seems to be kind of organizing this very slow dance that's going on here. The waitstaff would normally in such an area likely kind of, uh, they would point you back towards the bar or the chef, as it were. And you think for the most part, that's the case. It looks like the person at the bar seems to be running most of what they're doing. Uh, it looks like, if you didn't know it any better, it looks like the waitstaff pay the bartender out of each table. The push was a hard success, by the way, 28 out of 58. Yep. So you notice that, but on top of it, what you notice is that there is a gentleman like at the back of the bar uh, who is paid by the bartender. Okay. So whoever that person is, they're not only running the bartender, but they're also running all the wait staff. So I'm not going to bother them. I will make my way to the bar. All right. You make your way to the bar. It's, again, relatively calm. You'd almost say sleepy restaurant. There's probably half the tables in here are filled. The conversations are pleasant, but nothing above, uh, say, a conversational tone. It seems like a relatively happy place, though. Okay. I will, you know, kind of peacock strut a bit through the place, plant myself at the bar. Okay. 
yeah, the bartender um, makes his way over in a sure. just after a few moments. I'm just hanging out. I'm just kind of smiling and take chewing the scenery. He says, uh, Bonjour. Hello, uh, do you, uh, English? Can you speak English? Yes, I speak English. If you don't mind. Um, I would really appreciate a cup of your best espresso and uh, a moment of your time when you get back. He seems to cack an eyebrow at you a little bit, like... I smile real real big again. He, uh, <laughs> he turns and he starts working through the coffee. Sure. I go back to doing nothing. Yeah, I mean, as far as the scenery goes here... You can tell from this position looking out why someone might want to frequent this place. Because of the, because it's it sits on a corner and both of them are kind of open air, you get a really nice like 160 or so degree view of what's going on here. And so if you're back here, and if you were maybe back a little bit further in the restaurant, you'd be able to see the med like four or five different slips and then everything in front of you as far as the restaurant goes. And the perfect place to do that would be back where that guy is sitting back there. Hmm. Your coffee returns. Here you are, sir. Thank and, you. Uh, yeah, I just had a question. I'm uh, a little new to the area. Uh, hmm. Here with a, a few people that uh, are collectors of sorts very uh, private types hmm. um, looking to uh, secure some passage and I was just wondering if maybe you knew some sailors that came through here about captains or someone who could uh, help me figure out who I should talk to to make my way to Egypt Egypt well, uh, I'm sure a well-dressed gentleman like you should no problem finding a ship that could take you at the port. Well, you see, like I said, the collectors, I will uh, fish a couple of, well, at this point I just have pounds um, out of my pocket. And I will I will indicate to them as if they're okay. Or am I pissing this person off? Okay, you fish them out. I will pay for my coffee with, uh, it'll be... It would be like 10 times the equivalent. 20 pounds times sterling, yes. Put a few pounds sterling on the table and he uh, collects it, obviously, but also seems to nod in some sort of uh, appreciative way. There are uh, many ship captains that uh, frequent these waters. The Mediterranean is full of life and choices. And I'm guessing he knows which one I should be talking to. <laughs> He does. Who, who is he? He's someone not to be taken lightly. Oh, I, I trust he's very capable. I just uh, don't want to risk disrespecting him because I'm going to ask if there's any way you think I could speak with him. Regar- regarding this need he's for these uh, collectors I represent. Hmm. As I said, they're very private and very particular. Give me one moment. Let me speak with them. I love it. I'll set my uh, 
<laughs> Go back to doing nothing. He steps all the way across the bar, like kind of around where he's at, and then approaches this gentleman. And they have maybe a 30-second conversation. And uh, the bartender returns. I'm certain that uh, you have a few moments, yes? I will uh, knock out the rest of this espresso. <laughs> kind of get bug-eyed for a second. Okay. <laughs> Put the cup down. Kind of straighten my jacket. You have a lovely place. Mm, thank you. Thank you. Uh, gesture to him. Bartender. <laughs> he <laughs> I'll head over. <laughs> I head over. Uh, in full view. <laughs> with, uh, with, my, with my palms out. Yeah, no, I, the gentleman is uh, an older uh, man, Tan. Uh, he wears a, a fairly dark blue shirt, wide collars. Um, he has wonderfully dark, almost midnight blue hair. Uh, he stares reasonably long enough for you to get the point that the chair opposite him is available. Okay. Um, I quietly slide it so that I can sit in. I don't scoot. I don't make any sudden movements. He nods when you sit. Almost in a... I think the easiest way to say this would be predatory way. Mm -hmm. You get the immediate and almost intense feeling sitting across from him that you're sitting across from someone who's a killer. Oh, this man's totally prepared to us off me right here. If I if I step mm-hmm. wrong, I'm, there's I am not at all surprised. I, ch- I keep smiling. I'll get back to you in a minute. So, after maybe two or three bottles, collectively between you and the family, they're very intrigued by really all of you in a different way. They talk about people that they've met as as a part of this bed and breakfast. They want to know more about you. My question is, is during the dinner portion of what they treat you to, which is a real like old school Italian family dinner where like no one walks away. Everybody has to be rolled out of their chair. Manja, manja. <laughs> what are you sharing with them, if anything, about your actual life? Or are any of you literally making up shit? No, I'll, I'll tell them I'm a singer. I sing at different institutions. Okay. They want you to sing, obviously, at some point. Um, they ask you if you know any Italian songs. I don't think I do. Okay, they're happy to teach you some. Okay. Which should be fantastically fun. <laughs> Jack, are you sharing anything specific with them? I just tell them that I'm uh, working as security for Maeve and Lillian. I guess, how, how would you react to that, Miss Lane? Are, are you going to go along with it, or are you going to be someone else? No, because I think the story that we had was that I was Maeve's manager and Jack and the dearly departed Lawrence were like our security. Mm, And the doctor was our our, our medical doctor. Yes. Personal doctor. He's our personal doctor. Yes. Sigmund, who is not part of the dinner as he is not feeling well. So we're just traveling the world with Miss O'Shea and following her, her, her stardom. They eventually, after probably an hour or so, maybe hour and a half dinner, it's fairly long, 
Um, they eventually leave you alone after coffee and clearly dessert and more conversation and potentially more wine. But and, you have, and singing. Right, right. You do sing a few family songs. You learn a few Italian songs from them. Um, you doubt you could reproduce them again without them singing along with you just because you don't know Italian. Right. But you can get the words after a while. I do um, have the um, linguist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. For written text, yes. Oh, okay. I would think, like, just to hear it. Not that I know what the songs mean, but... Oh, no, they're happy to tell you. Trust me. <laughs> I mean, if, you, if, if, you, if you've been to a, you know, old school Italian family, you're going to hear, like, all, sto- all sorts of stories. It's probably likely as they serve the meal because it's outside because of the weather is so nice at night there. There's probably more family that show up during it just because they're likely related to like 150 people around here. But beyond all of that, as the evening kind of turns a little later, um, the three of you have opportunities to go over the additional uh, clues you might have or where you want to start next when you get to Egypt. So any any um, any thoughts on that? Well, it looks like we don't have any clues Port Said or anywhere until we get to Cairo. So as soon as we get to Port Said, we're going to have to uh, take a train or... Well, even in Cairo, there there isn't too much um, except for the one uh, Warren Bessert. Otherwise, it's we can go to Nairobi because they had dinner with Mr. Royston Whittington in Collingswood House. So we could check out that place. Also... Uh, the Victoria Bar. Yeah, I have that down here, the Victoria Bar. Nails. Nelson. Yeah, because Nails was the one that said that Jack Brady was still alive and spotted mm-hmm. in Hong Kong. Otherwise, there's a bunch of places in Kenya as as well. That's when they start talking about... That's when Jackson starts talking about the cult of the bloody tongue. They also reference the... What is it? Cult of the Black Wind? Well, I would, uh, I would, I would still like to go to Cairo. We'll talk to this uh, Warren Bessert. We'll check out the uh, Street of the Jackals and yeah, and see if we can find anything else that we might be able to find about. Well, since Mister Penhew went also went missing, I think that's why they were in Cairo. That's why they wanted to get a hold of Warren about the you know curiosities or the items that he had. Right. Yeah. But I'd also like to see if we can figure, find out where this dig was and at least visit the dig site. Oh, for sure. Oh, also there's a Mr. Harvest that was um, the undersecretary who um, was speaking at the trial about the murders. Um, that's also in Kenya. And then there's Roger Corden, who's the undersecretary. So where do we, who do we need to see in Cairo? Warren Bessert, uh, okay. find the Street of the Jackals and see what else, any else we can go. We might want to stop by the uh, museum. They might have uh, had some contacts in there. And uh, Miss O'Shea, uh, you wouldn't probably know a, a ton about Egypt, but what you one of the things you would know would be about Emma Daldine Street. So Emma Daldine Street in Cairo is the theater district in Cairo, and it is. Uh, basically, the it's one of the largest cultural areas for arts and theatrics and the burgeoning troupe 
um, entertainment district there. It has been for well, probably the better part of 20 years or so. And there is some fantastic work being done by several uh, female leads. Okay. As a more personal note. <laughs> okay, so we're going to stop in Cairo and talk to Warren and Bessert. Yeah. Yeah, if we can track him down. Mm-hmm. And then off to Giza to talk to Dr. H. Clive or go see his dig at Mycernius. I know we're talking about um, whatnot. Um, I like. I'd like to go talk to the lady of the house. Mm-hmm. I'd like to clean out some of my trunk and make way for clothes that are more appropriate for Egypt. Because I brought a crap ton of dresses. Yeah, I mean, she's to the lady of the house. I she's just happy. To, to, she's yeah. happy to take them off your hands. She won't be able to replace them with pants. You understand? It's fine. I'm gonna go find a shop in the morning. Sam. Sitting across from what is what is likely a a very um, well worn uh, member of the Italian underworld, he introduces himself as uh, Luca, and he doesn't give you a last name. He doesn't give you a you know a, a proper full introduction. He just tells you that that's what his name is, and then with this really predatory, as I said, smile. He asks you what your needs are. As I understand, you um, are a man who can grant wishes of sorts. Uh, I have some desires that I could use help getting granted. Uh, Specifically, I need to secure passage across the Mediterranean to Egypt for myself and uh, some associate collectors of sorts who need to move things Quietly over ship. I have friends who may be able to assist you getting across the Mediterranean. You wouldn't be the first that they've um, journeyed with, of course. Competent people. People who can keep your passage discreet, if that's what you're asking for. It, it is. And uh, Luca, is it? Hmm. The... Uh, I would not presume to come empty-handed. So, uh, what I can offer you is a wish granted of your own. A smile kind of big. You're going to grant me wishes, huh? At least one. Uh, and what I can offer you is, um, well, consider what you might ask a man to do that would be worth such a thing so that there's no black in my margins. Um, something worth it to you and I'll execute it hmm. very well worst case scenario is I fail and you're out nothing I have something you could do for me you said you're going to Port Said yes I believe so you'll travel south then to Cairo I imagine at least for me you will he tucks his hand into his pocket I tense so hard <laughs> it's like every muscle in my body is like oh my god it's gonna kill me you see him take out a white a piece of white paper he produces a pen and writes something in English on it flips it over and passes it over on the table keep this close to you when you arrive in Cairo go to this address whoever is inside this house they must not see the morning 
I pocket it. I would like to be very clear. This debt is mine to pay. The passengers that you are securing this vessel for are free and clear. I agree. A man's debts are his own. How will I get the details of this vessel? There is a a slip not far from here. Two canals over. You'll speak with a man named Roberto. He stands at the corner of a red building. I will put a bird in the air. Let him know to listen for your whistle. Whistle him a nice tune. And he will give you the name of the ship captain you will go to. Nah, just gonna take it all in. It's really between like light music in the air, the heavy aroma of coffee and a bit of the sweetness of desserts beyond that and the cigarette smoke it's a little surreal there's even a gentle the gentle hum of a ceiling fan above your head and the two of you share just an additional pause or heartbeat of movement as you've been very quickly folded into a world of Murder for hire. Looking across the table, is Luca done with me? Yeah, absolutely. He seems to almost sit back a bit in his chair. I uh, will respectfully get out of his line of sight. And um, did he say when to go find this Roberto? Uh, He didn't, but you would imagine it's likely tomorrow morning. Okay. Um, I will scout the building Mm -hmm. on my way back. Yeah, it looks like a um, a port office. Like the red building itself looks like a place where people who bring items to market have to come first to pay tax. Since I'm not going to be sleeping, I'm just going to find a place to... I don't know if there's any late night cafes or places where I can hang out and wait for Roberto. Because I need his information before I can really tell anything. Before I can really give anything to the, the group. Okay. Yeah, you find a place to perch, basically. Um, There are not all-night cafes, but there are cafes that can get you in touch with the right bars that stay open very late. Okay. I will will haunt the area. Fair enough. So, Jack, a lot of the um, locals that you can see here from the the balcony uh, tend to go towards one very specific... And it looks like bar that's not but maybe a, a block from the bed and breakfast. Um, after the food settles, probably after it gets on to about 9 or 10 o'clock or so, uh, you can tell this place is staying open all night. There's also something else you've noticed in the area, and that is groups of young men who are dressed in black shirts that seem to be almost militant about the space and area that they possess. Uh, You're fairly familiar, at least uh, by news story, with who Mussolini is. And you're also now fairly familiar that Mussolini has effectively taken over the country. uh, And his presence is here as well in Venice. Yeah, you know what? I don't think I'll go out tonight. I think I'll stay home. Okay, that's fair. That said, you know, noise from the bar does filter back up the streets. 
Um, it does that for quite a while. Luckily, the four of you who are staying at the bed and breakfast have had a fairly impressive meal. And after a bit of, well, planning and commiseration, you're probably all actually ready to sleep. And so the evening arrives and as does your sleep. Um, Miss O'Shea, are you doing anything before you fall asleep? Yeah, I'm doing my devotional. Okay. And then investing, I would imagine. Yes. Uh, just 20. Okay. So, Sam... Oh, I'm sorry. Not 20. 10. Yeah, sorry. 10. You're a little t- extra tired. <clears throat> oh, dreams. What do they do to you? Sam, you hang out all night, and you probably find a place not to necessarily sleep per se, but just try to relax and get a little energy back. Sure. And probably by five, if not a little after, you see a kind of young-ish Italian kid arrive uh, outside the building and kind of props himself up against the wall. He lights a smoke. And as soon as he is kind of halfway into that, you see one by one, people start coming up to him. And they almost seem to be paying him some sort of respect. Uh, And at the distance, it's hard to see exactly what's happening. Um, But your ears pick up coins. Okay. There's there's money moving. Yeah, if there were other people that seem to have been awaiting his arrival as well, I will wait for them to disperse. (coughs) And and wait until his, uh, his, his traffic calms down, I guess. He just he just got to work. Let the boy work. He's working hard. The trade house opens about a half an hour or so later. Uh, and as it does, more and more people uh, begin flooding in. And a regular trade day begins here in Venice. And soon enough, it looks like he is trading coins for bills. And like dealing with all sorts of people. And it's not a mob of people by any means, but it's maybe one person every one or two people, maybe every five or 10 minutes, but it's consistent. He's doing lots of money changing then. Oh yeah. Okay. I will take some of my, um, some of my pounds, my non-native currency (laughs) conveniently enough. uh, And I will uh, make my way over. Okay. Make me a spot hidden roll. Sure. 29 out of 58 is a hard success. Okay. Two things you notice. One, he is being watched. Okay. By by somebody in the trade house and somebody outside of it. The second thing you notice is there is a younger boy who walks up to him and has, seems to pass him something, like a note. And in his left hand, the boy is carrying a pigeon. Okay. He passes him the note and then leaves, like, with the pigeon before eventually, like, releasing it into the air. I'll walk up whistling a, uh, I don't know, a jazz standard. <laughs> okay. You see him, um, you see this, who you assume is Roberto, look over at you. I smile at him. Oh. He seems to fold fold some of whatever he was holding in his right hand into his pocket, some sort of paper. So, uh, you're the one I'm looking for, huh? 
please, can you switch these out? Of course. He quickly changes a couple of pounds sterling or whatever, however many you give him into Lyra. And you feel the Lyra is a little weighted. Mm-hmm. You can tell just by passing it like kind of into a pocket or wherever you're going to place it. You can tell that there is a non-monetary piece of paper in here. Appreciate it. Keep the change. Mm, he smiles. Um, and I will put my hand in my pockets and I continue whistling <laughs> my, my jazz my jazz standard as I um, walk to an area where I can see what's in my pocket. There is a note inside, uh, kind of in the middle of this wad of money that he's given you. You're not even sure the exchange rate technically was was right. It doesn't really I mean, matter, you suppose. He, he took his cut. It's fine. <laughs> there is a... Uh, on the note, it gives you a, an address and a slip number, and it tells you to ask for Diego. Did I see that slip number when I was prowling? Mm, no. No, this is actually like four... I mean, if you're, if you're right just by the street names or some of the street names here we're not in, you're not anywhere near where this slip would be okay how far is it it looks like it's almost on the um the southern edge of where the where venice is you're about in the middle at this point okay um i don't know what that means in distance well figure roughly speaking figure that it's say eight to nine city blocks Oh, okay. So not terribly far, but far enough to where you couldn't visually see it, right? No, yeah, it's well, it's walking distance, so it's like a little over a mile, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I, I keep walking. Okay. You keep walking. You're going to walk down there? Mm-hmm. Okay. You walk down there. You get roughly uh, to where you think you need to go, and then you realize that you need to take a ferry, like, across to this portion. Okay. Because it's on a very tiny portion, one of the outer bands of these islands where Venice is at. I see I see what they did there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will note where the ferries are. Okay. Do they just kind of shuffle back and forth? Are they, like, taxis? Oh, yeah. All the time. Okay. It's like a 10 or 15 minute wait between the ferries. Okay. And they're not big by any means. They're maybe 15 people. Yeah, I still don't have all the info I need. So we're going to continue our, our momentum and I will continue walking and whistling while I wait for the ferry. Okay. Yeah, you eventually get across though. Okay. Um, finding this slip is not terribly difficult. Uh, it's actually like it's actually next to a very large church. Great. Well, what kind of uh, kind of boat is it? As far as the ferry or as far as his boat? Oh, his boat on the at the slip. Oh, it's comparable to something like the Ivory Wind was. It's mostly a sailboat, but it has like a gat, like an actual diesel engine. Mm-hmm. Does it look well tended? Like, is it is it a piece of shit? Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> is it like falling apart? Um, what a piece or... of junk! <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> like, what am I thinking here? I've got a, a five star hotel, right? If if I was going to say the Titanic. Too oh, soon? God, no. Um, no, this looks like a merchant <laughs> has it not ship. happened yet? Okay. No, the, the Titanic has happened, yes. Um, this is, looks like a commercial ship. It looks like it is a boat that is um, fairly well used. It, it looks like it is fairly well tended, but it is not by any means anything um, that you would want to put in the, in the papers or take a picture of, right? It's, sure. a, it's a merchant ship. 
It has a function. Oh, oh, doesn't it? Uh, I look, I look at the address. Oh, that he gave you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's right over here. Okay. I mean, we're in the middle of business hours, so I'm hoping either Diego is awake or uh, waking up. Oh no, the ship is fairly active with people at this point. Looks like they're offloading. Oh, okay. Uh, then I will uh, look for a crew member who doesn't who is between who is between things. <laughs> you find one. He uh, sees you getting closer to the ship, and he turns. Can I help you? You, Diego? No, no, no. Um, I'm Anthony. <laughs> he turns to the ship. Diego! He kind of yells out. <laughs> um, you see a, uh, a rather short, heavily muscled, but short man, like, kind of wander to the edge of the boat. What is it? Anthony seems to wave him down. He comes down the foot plank and then wanders closer towards you. Can I help you? Uh, that's what I hear. I hear you're going to uh, Egypt. I am now. Really? When is it? When? Well, now that I need to go there, he turns to Anthony. Why don't you get back to work? Anthony walks off. I uh, I understand uh, you and some passengers need to get there. And our things, yes. In one piece and quietly. Not a problem. Wouldn't be the first time I've traveled there. I've been assured that you'll get the job done, so you come highly referred. Well, I'd better. <laughs> I build a reputation on these things. Uh, there will be f- five of us. Is there space aboard for how long is the journey? Um, it depends on weather. We should be able to get there within three days, but if uh, weather gets bad or if we have uh, heavy traffic, it may take another. Not to uh, mince words, but I'm paying a pretty hefty price for this voyage, so if you don't mind, I'd like to inspect the quarters. Oh, no, not at all. He shows you on board. Um, While it's not a hotel by any means, um, it is functional, rather. um, Spartan is probably the wrong word. I would say that it is is functional. Um, All the rooms seem in reasonable working order. It will likely be the um, meagerest of places that the group has stayed in some time. Sure. Is there any, are they afforded privacy? Yeah, there's uh, a total of eight rooms. Uh, and then essentially what Diego tells you is that the crew will double bunk in uh, some of the rooms and then uh, that'll afford you and uh, your traveling companions enough space to have their own rooms. And customs? Customs are tricky but not insurmountable Uh, much of what we do in getting our things into Egypt and out of them when we need to is through intermediaries at the port I can I can make my um, presence known a little bit and perhaps um, get you past some of the preliminary checks but um, there is always a price for doing business in Egypt you understand Yes, and as I, uh, when I, when my, uh, my request was being offered to be fulfilled, the agreement was for myself, my collector friends, and our goods, which means that anything that you find yourself responsible for that is yours, that it needs to make through Egypt, I would appreciate it if our goods would accompany them to assure they go as far as they need to. I don't think that should be a problem. Not really. I appreciate that. Is there anything 
I need to be made aware of? Um, no, um, we're not being, you know, we haven't uh, created any local adversaries in, uh, where are we? Milan? <laughs> You're in Venice. In Venice? I, uh, no, there's nothing you should have to worry about that, uh, that comes to mind. If you encounter any strange weather, just let us know. Strange weather. I kind of clap him on the shoulder. All right. As you said, it would delay the journey. It would. It would. Uh, when can we depart? Well, we could depart later today if you want. The next time I arrive, I'll be with my people. So uh, if you're waiting for us, I would say be ready to go. I shall endeavor to do so. I'll offer my hand. He shakes Give it. Give him a sinc- sincere smile. He has a really powerful grip. <clears throat> he almost has like the, he almost has boxer hands. You can tell that he's probably done a fair amount of like pugilism. It seems we're in great sturdy hands. Thank you. <laughs> Indeed you are. Just be prepared to move when we say. That shouldn't be a problem. Um, I make my exit. All right. I'm going to call that episode to a close at this point. So thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Masks from Mouthotep. Remember, remember, the show is only half the fun. The other half of it is what we do with all patron backers. Oh, so sorry. I thought we were going somewhere else with that. <laughs> no. Uh, so that said, if you want to check us out, patreon.com slash the old ways podcast. And again, we thank you for your listening ears. 